read 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 through 17. You don't need to turn there, but you can if you want to. 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17. It says, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to point out that it says all scripture is useful for four things, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. And sometimes that's not obvious when we read some passages like lists of names and places and how to build the tabernacle. You don't see it, it's not obvious. And so we're reading a passage like that today where you read it and you may not understand what is the point? Why is this even in here? So we're gonna look at that. And as we're reading, as we're talking, I want you to be thinking that this is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. And I want you to think, how could it be useful? Because there are plenty of things, as we will see as we read this. So just be thinking about that as we do it. Okay, we are reading Acts 20, verses 1 through 6. It says, and after the uproar ceased, because this is right after the riot in Ephesus that we talked about last week, after the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. And when he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Sopater the Berean, son of Phyrus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby and Timothy, and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. I might be saying those wrong. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. And, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. So this is a account of Paul going to different places with different people. And it's not super obvious what it's trying to say, what we're supposed to learn from this, how we're supposed to become more wise from reading this. So we're going to go through this tonight, and I'm going to walk you through how you can figure out what this is trying to say, what you can learn from it, how you can be taught, rebuked, corrected, or trained for every good work based on this list of names and places. So we're going to do, go through this step by step. And the first step that you need to do is you need to resolve to want to know. Because you can be reading the Bible and not want to put in the time, right? You just want to read a psalm and feel good. Or you want to read um, one of Paul's letters and just get something that's really obvious. So you have to resolve to want this. It's not easy. So you, you need to ask yourself the question, do you, are you desperate enough for God and his wisdom to do something that you might not want to do, to put in effort? And you need to pray for God to reveal it to you. So that's what we're going to do right now. God, I pray that you would reveal your will to us through this passage. I pray that we would learn about who you are, about your character, and God, show us what you want us to learn. God, would, we ma would you make us more like you? through reading this. Would you open our hearts to understand? 
Jesus' name, amen. All right, so now let's put some effort into it. So I'm going to be writing stuff down. Let's hope this marker works. Okay, so the first thing that you do is research. Because um, there's some names of some people that I have no idea who these people are. Right? So we've got to find out who Aristarchus is and who Tychicus is. Because it, they're not main characters. Right? But they're important somehow because they're in the Bible. So research who these people are and what the places are. But first, before we do that, you need to figure out what actually is going on. Because it's not just a list of places and names. There's a little bit of narrative in there. So what do you guys see? What's happening in this story? Please, call it out. Paul's, yes, Paul is traveling. OK, what else? Yes. There you go. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. Sorry, Luke. Jews plot, right? So he changes course because of the plot. That's a little bit of narrative. That's not just course. That's not just a name or a place, right? He changes course. Yes, he was speaking encouragement. What else? He made some new friends. Friends. Okay. What do you guys see at the end of this passage in verse six? In verse five. Verse five and six. Some of those people went back. Yes. People went ahead. Okay, so let's summarize what we know so far. So Paul is traveling, right? He, he picks up some people as he's traveling. He makes some new friends. He's got a group with him. He's not by himself. He's not just with two people. He's got a group of, it's a group of eight people, all right? Um, as they were traveling, he sent some people ahead. So it was just him and Luke at Philippi, right? And some other people want to head to Troas. When we look at the map, that'll be more obvious. Um, he changed course, right? So as he was doing this, he discovered some new information, and he changed what he was going to do. So that's kind of stuff that's obvious right on the surface. So now let's do some research. Let's make a chart of the places that he went. So can you all tell me where he went? Macedonia, Greece, Greece. Um, Syria. Syria. He didn't actually make it to Syria in this passage, but it's mentioned. Troas. Yes, Troas. Philippi. Is that everything? Okay, so 
Can you show the map? So one thing that we can notice if we look at this map, which is a very useful map if you're ever reading Acts. Don't read Acts without looking at this map. Um, some of these are regions, and some of them are actually cities. So Philippi is a city in Macedonia, which is a region. Troas is a city in Asia. Syria is a region over there with Jerusalem and Antioch, right? That's where Paul is from. And then Greece is a region, this little bit down there, that has Corinth and some other cities, Athens. All right, so now if we look and we plot Paul's path, he leaves Ephesus, right, which is in Asia. See right there? And he goes around, he goes through Macedonia, so he's going around the Aegean Sea, and then he is in Greece. And Greece is where he found out about the plot. So he was going to go from Greece to Syria, just straight. But then he decided to change his mind so he didn't get killed, and he went back around the way he came by going back through Macedonia. He stopped at Philippi and then made his way to Troas, which is where we stopped in this passage. So now I have an idea of where he's going. So now let's look at the people. I think this one's a little more interesting. All right, what people do we have? Who are Paul's traveling companions? Luke. I don't know how to spell these. Let me get my phone. Sopater, Sopater, Sopater. Timothy. Yes, Timothy. Yes, Gaius, and one more. Me and Luke had a like 20 minute conversation about Trophimus earlier today when we were looking at this. He's very interesting. Okay, so what do we know about these people? What do we know about Luke? Yes, we're gonna assume that all of them are Christians and not write that down. He's a doctor, yes. Yes, yes. Okay, so I'm going to actually give you some information about Luke that's not super obvious here. He picks up Luke at Philippi. Because if you notice in your reading this, before Philippi, it says they and them. After Philippi, it says us and we. So Luke did not join them until after they went over the Aegean Sea and then back, and he met up with them at Philippi. He wasn't there the whole trip in this passage. Okay. So we met Paul. What's going on? Okay, what do we know about Tychicus? Yes, he's from Asia. What else do we know about him from this passage? Nothing, that's a trick question, there's nothing else. Okay, what about Sopater? 
Yes. Berea is yeah, right there, right above Thessalonica. Yes. I don't know how to spell his name. That's fine. That's wrong, but that's fine. Okay. What else do we know? Yeah, um, that's it. That's all. Okay. Timothy. What do we know about Timothy from this passage? It didn't say anything about Timothy. But we do know a lot about Timothy from other parts of the Bible, which we'll get to later. So next is Aristarchus. What does it say about Aristarchus? Yes. Okay, what do we know about Gaius? Yes, he's from Derby. Where's Derby on the map? There it is. It is in Galatia? That's in Galatia. Okay. We'll get there, Daniel. Hold on. Okay, Secundus. What do we know about Secundus? Yes, he is also Thessalonian. And Trophimus, what do we know about him? He is also from Asia, yes. Okay, so that is all it says actually in the passage. We've looked at everything in the passage. So now what we're going to do is do cross-references. We're going to look up commentaries, and we're going to... Look up where, they, where these people are mentioned in other parts of the Bible. Timothy, it says nothing about Timothy in this passage, except he was there. But we know a lot about Timothy because of other parts of the Bible where they're mentioned. So I'm not going to write all this down. I'll just kind of tell you because I already did this research. Um, where's my chart? Okay, so some things about um, Aristarchus that Daniel mentioned, the riot in Ephesus, Aristarchus was one of the Jews who were, is he Jewish? He's one of the people who were pulled into the riot. You remember that? It was Aristarchus and Gaius. But if you notice, it is not the same Gaius. This is Gaius of Derby, right? The Gaius in the riot in Ephesus was from Macedonia. Derby is not in Macedonia. So you have to be careful. Don't assume that people with the same name are the same people. Okay. Um, interesting about Tychicus. If you look at where he's mentioned in other parts of the Bible, he is one of Paul's messengers. He delivers several of Paul's letters to some of the other churches. Yes, he is a runner. Okay, um, I do want to mention Timothy. He is... Half Jew, half Greek. That will be important. You'll find that out. Yes, his grandmother is Lois. <laughs> so you'll find that if you cross-reference his name in other parts of the Bible. Um, I forgot to mention, when you're looking all this stuff up, use Bible Hub. You don't have to use Bible Hub. But Bible Hub is a really great place that summarizes almost everything that you want to know, or it gives you keywords that you can then Google and find out even more information. So use Bible Hub. You should all write that down. Okay. 
Um, now, when I'm looking up, looking up commentaries and blog posts, you're going to find information that you wouldn't find just in the passage or maybe from cross-referencing. Cross For example, Secundus was probably a slave. And the reason that we know this is that Secundus is a name for the second slave in the household. And the first slave is like Primus or something like that. This is the name of a slave. It's not mentioned in the Bible, and he's not mentioned somewhere else in the Bible that might point to that. But if you look up commentaries, you'll get tidbits of information that will help you figure out what the meaning is. I don't know. Okay. Um, I read a commentary that said Secundus is a common name for a slave. It's the second. It's Latin for for second. So he's the second slave in the household, like in authority level. All right, let's see if there's anything else important about these people. Do we know who's slave and royalty? We do not, know. Okay, so there are plenty of other things that you can research about these people and figure out things that I have not figured out yet, but we're going to leave it at that for this. Now we're going to research a little bit about the places. Um, what I did was I looked up each of these places and their relationship to who Paul is and what he's done. What has he done there? I looked at the previous passages in Acts where he went to each of these places. Um, the only thing I want to mention, though, is about Philippi. Philippi is probably Paul's favorite church. He's the one in, where is it? Let's see. He mentions it in, in the letter to the Philippians. He, his language indicates that he loved them probably more than the other churches. <laughs> okay, I can't find it in my notes, but you get the idea. So yes, he was loved by Paul. They, the church, not he. The church was loved by Paul. Okay, so now we're going to, that, that's our research phase, right? You can do more, there's always, wait, I forgot something. Okay, sorry. Another thing that I learned from commentaries was that during this trip around the Aegean Sea, during Paul's third missionary journey, he was collecting money from the Greek churches, well, not the Greek churches, what is it? The Gentile churches to send to the poor in Jerusalem, right? So they're carrying a lot of money. It is mentioned in Acts 24, 17, if you would like to look at it. Um, I would not have known that if I wasn't reading commentaries, right? And so that is something that we can write down that we know is they were carrying money. So that can help us when we meditate on this and try and make conclusions about what this is trying to say. Okay, so that is our research phase. Okay, so now step four is meditate and pray and think, how does this relate to Jesus? You're trying to connect the dots. Ask God to show you to connect the dots. So based on this information, what we know about the passage, what's something that we can learn? What's a takeaway?
Yes, yes, that's a really good one. That's one of the ones I had written down. So the way that I called it was I said he changed his plans, but not his goal. And he wasn't reckless. Um, some people might think I've heard stories um, in books that I've read of people who trusted God and dived right into danger and then got themselves killed. And instead of thinking and being wise and thinking, how can I give God the most glory? How can I maximize the life that I have instead of just jumping into danger? Sometimes that's what God calls you to do. But in this case, God didn't call Paul to jump right into danger, right? He had a mission. He had to get that money to Jerusalem. So he's not going to do something that's going to put himself in danger when there's another way, right? If, if sailing all the way to Syria was the only way, he probably would have done it and trusted God to keep him safe. But there was another way. He could go back the way he came. So something that we can learn is don't be reckless, right? And if God's called you to do something, he's not necessarily telling you how to do it, but just what to do. Anything else? Yes. He always took time to encourage the people who needed it. Um, something else I do want to point out, jumping off of that, is that he decided to leave Ephesus after the riot. He realized that he was not wanted there anymore, right? He shook the dust off his feet and he moved on to somewhere where he could be more useful. And he encouraged the Ephesian Christians and then moved on. So something we can do is if people don't want you where you are, move on to someone who does want you, where you can be more useful for the kingdom of God. Anything else? What else can you guys see? Think about the places that he was at. Think about the people. Connect the dots. Meditate. Yes. How do you make that conclusion? Yes. So if you look at all these people, they're, all, they're from a lot of different places. From Asia, well, Asia, Berea, Thessalonian, Thessalonica, Derby, And these are people who, these are churches. They're representing churches who have given money to the Jerusalem. Sorry, I should have mentioned that. These people are most likely representative, representatives of the churches that they're from who are giving money to the Jerusalem church. Right? So it's the body of Christ coming together and helping each other, if, even though they're from all different regions and, jumping off of that, different social statuses. So Secundus was probably a slave, and Aristarchus was probably a ruling official, right? Yeah. 
Yes, in Acts 6 as well. It's it, People from all different places are named. So that's why I think that Luke mentioned all these people, is that they're all different types of people from different social stas- social classes, from different places. Even Timothy, who is not even a full breed, he's half Jew, half Greek. All right, what else? Mm-hmm. Yes, Paul has a lot of people, seven different people, who can keep him accountable because he is carrying money and he could be accused of stealing or embezzlement or whatever they called it in those days. He could be accused, but instead he had all those people around him to vouch for him. And what I was thinking with that is he was doing the most that he could to be above reproach. In Titus 1, 5 through 7, it says, well, it says an an overseer must be above reproach, among other things. Um, But Paul, as a leader, as someone who is trusted, he is being above reproach. Now, Paul is not going to steal money, but other people could accuse him of that. He doesn't have the people around him for his own sake. He has the people around him for the sake of his testimony. And I know that some people don't like the term above reproach because you want to do what you want to do, right? And you don't think that you're going to do anything wrong. But the point is that it's not about you. It's about your efficacy in the kingdom of God. And if you're accused of sin, whether or not you did it, you can mess up your testimony and your word that you have to speak to other people. And if it's within your power to remove that accusation, that that possibility of accusation, you should do it. Because it's not about you, it's about the kingdom of God. Um, I do want to make a note. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking of... Um, what Paul said when he said, I don't want to be disqualified. And so I'm thinking, where is that? I have that line in my brain. What is, where is that from? So I search it on Google, and I look it up, and it's 1 Corinthians 9.27, right? And that is a complete wrong context for what I'm talking about. It is talking about self-discipline, making sure that you don't sin, doing what you need to do so that you can be... Um, have a good testimony, not what other people will do, right? So just a note, if you think of something and then look it up and it's the complete wrong context, don't try to make something out of it, right? Always look at the context. Okay, so the takeaway from that little thing is put in place provisions so that you can be above reproach. Okay, anything else?
yes, he is not working alone. He is working together with the body of Christ to get something done. He's not just focusing on what he thinks is the right thing. He's supported by other people as well. Yes. Um, yes, as you're studying, talk to people who know more than you do, because I didn't know that. <laughs> okay. Okay, can you put the map back up there? So one last takeaway that I want to mention is that Paul sent, pe sent people ahead of him to wait in Troas while he was in Philippi. Oh. Why did he do that, right? Why did, he, why did he want them to go without him so that he was by himself? Um, a couple things, he was in Philippi during the days of the of unleavened bread, that's Passover, right? So he was in Philippi during Passover because he left after that. Second thing is he met up with Luke in Philippi, right? So he wasn't quite alone. He had Luke. What I think is the reason, there might be another one, is that he wanted to spend time with the people that he loved the most, the people in Philippi, his favorite church, to get recharged, refreshed, right? He spent that week worshiping God with some of his favorite people. And what you can learn from that is that take some time to worship God with some of your favorite people to recharge and get rejuvenized to continue the fight, right? Before he moved, before he moved on, before he went through the different regions, before he kept preaching, he took, took a step back, took a little step back, and he just relaxed. And he worshiped God with some of his favorite people. Okay. So that's all I've got for this. There's so much more in here, right? But that's all I'm going to mention for now. Um, I want to give some tips on the meditation part. Um, after you've got all your information and you're trying to think of what the heck does it mean, um, ask first ask God to show you, right? If you ask for God to reveal his message to you, he will. And another tip is to 
do menial tasks, right? Do boring, repetitive tasks, because when your body is active, your mind can be running, right? You can think of things that you wouldn't otherwise if you're washing the dishes or cleaning your house or going for a walk and think and meditate on the things that you know. You can also talk it out with people because when two people are talking or if you're just talking to someone else and they're listening, um, this is a very common thing for programmers is you have, you have a bug and you don't know how to get, how to fix it, but you just talk to somebody. They don't even have to respond to you. You just talk to them and then it'll click in your head like, oh, duh, that's what it was. So just talk to somebody, even if they're not listening, talk to your dog, talk to your, your rubber duck, whatever you want. Um, and the last tip is don't stop until you've got something because there's always something in everything, right? All scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. So don't stop until you find it. You will be blessed, right? You will, you will become more wise. It will be, you will be more equipped for every good work. Okay, so now we're going to talk it out. We're going to get in groups and talk more about this. So three groups, I think. Okay. Three groups.